Well, greetings, church, from quarantine. I hope that you all are doing well. Um, things are changing rapidly, it seems, and uh, there was a different plan for this. I was hoping to be preaching this from the sanctuary, so at least we'd have a nice backdrop. Um, I'm still happy with the one that I've got here, but anyways, uh, still still under quarantine, still waiting for those test results to come back from uh, Sarah's test. So anyways, I'm going to be delivering this morning's sermon from the comfort of my living room. And I'm sure many of you are watching from the comforts of your living rooms or maybe your bedroom, so we can connect there. I don't expect many of you to be in uh, suit and tie or dresses. But I decided to uh, dress up a little bit and, and um, give you some normalcy, at least. You're used to listening to me preach on Sabbath mornings dressed up a little bit, so I'll give that to you now. And maybe you've seen those memes going around um, with the, the pastors sort of, you know, sitting there on the couch with just boxers on and having their computer in their lap because you only see above them, I can say, I, I, I am wearing pants, um, so I'm ready to go, and I hope you are as well. So, this morning's sermon is entitled, Disruptions. Disruptions. God's power cannot be quarantined. You know, I realize that a lot of us have experienced some major disruptions to our daily lives over the past couple of days. After an outbreak of the bubonic plague, the University of Cambridge closed its doors for two years. Isaac Newton had completed his degree, but his academic career was put on hold. So he retired to a small farmhouse where he developed calculus, optics, and gravitational theory. Jonah came to understand the fact that salvation comes from the Lord while he was quarantined in the belly of a great fish. Nelson Mandela's time in prison helped to shape a nation for the better. Paul Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress while imprisoned. Moses and the Israelites were quarantined in their homes during the final plague as it fell over Egypt. They soon were led to their deliverance. John wrote down his visions in the book of Revelation while imprisoned and quarantined on the island of Patmos. Some of the most meaningful psalms were written by David while he was hiding from Saul. Joseph's understanding of important visions came while he was wrongfully imprisoned. Those interpretations led to steps that saved many lives during the famine in the land. Martin Luther translated the Bible into the common German tongue while he was isolated in Wartburg. Some of people's most profound work and understandings came from their own quiet periods. In the same way, now is our opportunity. We may be quarantined, but God's power never is. So I'd like to spend some time this morning talking about Paul the mighty minister of the gospel, because Paul was under house arrest for a time. You could say that he was quarantined in his home. 
And it was during that time when he was quarantined that he wrote the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. So I'd like to just take some time and look at these specific books, these books that came out of a time of quarantine and see how rich they have blessed our understanding of the gospel of Jesus, how they have formed and molded Christianity over the years. So the first book I want to talk about is the book of Ephesians. And, and the main themes that you can pull out of that book are themes of doctrine and application. Doctrine and application. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing has been given to us from Christ. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Right here, this is the, the foundation in Paul's writings when he is starting to expound upon and teach us about that beautiful doctrine at the core of Christianity, the doctrine of righteousness by faith, salvation through grace in grace alone. We find that in Ephesians chapter 1. Moving on into Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, another well-known verse, or couple verses, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Once again, a, a deeper understanding of the doctrine of righteousness by faith. There is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. It has already been paid for by Christ, given to us as a free gift. So there's nothing to boast about in terms of our good works, but there's a lot to be thankful for, knowing that it came from God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 says, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Wow, so this, this understanding that through Jesus we can be connected with God. This is, this is the doctrine of atonement, right? at one We were at one with God when we were created mankind in the Garden of Eden, but because of sin, because of disobedience, because of rebellion, we were separated from God, but Jesus came to bring us back into connection with God. And Ephesians 2.18 expounds upon that. Ephesians 3 and verse 6 says, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. This is good news. And this is good news for those of us that are not Jewish. We were grafted in to this Christianity, 
right? We, we're, we're Gentiles, if we're, if we're honest with the distinction between Jews and Gentiles. But because of that, we have been grafted in. And so now Jews that have accepted Christ, Gentiles that have accepted Christ, we have become part of the same body, the same tree, the same spirit of Christ. And we learn that in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3 and verse 6. Continuing on in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says this, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So now we're moving a little bit in, in, in this book of Ephesians from doctrine into application, right? We were, we were called, we have been chosen, and we are to bear with one another in love, endeavoring to keep this unity within the body of Christ, wanting to keep this bond of peace amongst ourselves as the church body. Moving on in that same chapter, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. That Greek, it actually, it's, it's two words together, pastor, teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Once again, we stop, start talking about application. We have to also realize that God has blessed us all with specific gifts that we are to use in connection with his spirit to bring about this process of working the gospel out into the whole world. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says this, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. We're to be tender-hearted like Jesus. We are to forgive one another in the same way that Jesus forgave those even while he was being crucified up on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Knowing that Judas was about to betray him, he still washed his feet at the Last Supper. And we have assurance of salvation. We have hope in the second coming because God has forgiven us our sins. And so the application for us as Christians is that we are expected to forgive others as well. And finally, the last verse that I want to touch on from this book of Ephesians is found in chapter 6 and verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So here, once again, application in its connection to spiritual warfare. I'm sure most of you are familiar with this chapter. Paul goes on to talk about, you know, the, the, the breastplate and, and, the, and the shield and, and, the, and the belt. All of these different aspects of spiritual warfare, realizing that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against powers and principality, these, these demonic forces in the spiritual realm. 
we as humans, we can't fight them on our own, but God has given us the armor and the tactics so that we can go out and be combative in spiritual warfare, winning victories for Christ. So now I want to move on and read a few verses from the next letter, the next um, epistle that Paul wrote while he was quarantined, while he was in, in, in this house arrest, under house arrest. That book was Philippians, Philippians. And the two themes that I want to pull out of, of the book of Philippians are hope and optimism, hope and optimism. Philippians 1.12, it says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, there's hope in that because if we're familiar with Paul's life, we realize that he lived a rough life. He was always running for his life. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was snake-bitten. All of these things that happened to him. And he's saying, these things actually happened to me for a purpose. They've been turned and used to help further the gospel. And so he's speaking to Christians who are also going through hard times. And I believe he is speaking to us here in 2020, going through this pandemic, who are also going through hard times, a lot of question marks, a lot of concerns for the future. And Paul is saying, look, if you allow God, he can take these terrible things that are happening in your life and he can use them for good. Are you willing to trust him? There's hope in that. There's hope in that. There's optimism in that. Moving on to chapter two, Philippians chapter two, verses one and two, it says this, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. This is talking about unity. This is talking about harmony. There is hope in harmony and there can be harmony even in quarantine. You know, you've heard me say this a, a number of times. You've seen it written down in, in one of my letters, but I'm going to keep reminding you of the fact that the church is not a building. We have not closed the church. We have not canceled the church. We have closed a building. The church is still open. The church is still full of power because we are the church. We, the body of believers, make up the church with a big capital C. There's hope and optimism in what Paul is saying. Are we willing to continue to be in one mind, of one accord, in harmony, even though we might not be face to face, not able to shake hands or, or give hugs? Are we still willing to allow God and his spirit to be the tie that binds us together? Philippians chapter three and verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope 
There is optimism in this verse, and I believe there is hope even for us right now as we face this pandemic and things aren't going well in our country. They're not running the way they were just a few weeks back, but we need to realize that this world is not our home. And Paul, writing from quarantine, writing under house arrest, he expands upon this theology that Christ is coming back to take us home. Our home is in heaven for a time, and our new home will be in the new earth, created anew with no more pandemics, no more sufferings, no more stock market crashes, no more wondering about the future, but instead, an eternity spent with our loved ones, eternity spent together, the body of Christ, with Christ. No more suffering, no more pain, no more sin. Moving on, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We could all use a little more peace right now. And we could all do a little more praying. And so Paul is asking us that when we pray, do it with a heart of thanksgiving, not just focusing on the bad things, but also remembering to thank God for the good things. You can talk to God and, and pray, Lord, please end this. I, I want to get back to that church building. I want to get back to my church family, keep them safe so that we can have that time together in the future. You can pray that, but along with it, be thanking God. Thank you, Lord, that the internet exists. Thank you, Lord, that YouTube and Facebook exist. And though we are apart in physical measure, we can still be connected in a spiritual measure through this wonderful technology. Thank you, God, for that. Philippians 4.13 well-known verse. Many of you probably have this memorized. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the context of that, Paul was talking about the hard times that he was going through, the sufferings that he was going through. And he's saying, you know what? In the happy times, in the rough times, I can go through it all knowing I'm not alone and that my strength, it doesn't come from my muscles. It doesn't come from my mind. It comes from the spirit of God that washes over me and fills me from the inside out. There is hope and optimism in that verse and there is hope and optimism in that letter to the, to the Philippians that Paul wrote while under quarantine, under house arrest. Moving on to the next epistle, we come to Colossians. Colossians, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And we can find two themes of encouragement and edification. Encouragement and edification. Colossians 1, 9 and 10, it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
There's encouragement there, right? There's some edification as well. Paul realizes that these Christians there are walking in the way of God. They're, they're learning more about him, coming to the knowledge of God. And, and the things that they're doing are pleasing to God. And he's encouraging them, keep that up. He's edifying them. You're doing a great job. Continue to allow God's spirit to live in you and to live out from you. He goes on later in that first chapter in Colossians, verses 21 through 22, and says, And you, who once were alienated, I think we can all relate to feeling alienated in these times, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You used to be this way, but let me encourage you because you're no longer that way. Now you are this way through the spirit of Christ. That is amazing and it's easy to get caught up in our thoughts and to alienate ourselves, thinking of how wicked we used to be, thinking of the mistakes we used to make, and not realizing that we still make mistakes, we still uh, miss the mark, but now we do it under the covering of grace and we can learn from our mistakes, become better through the spirit of Christ living and working through our lives. There's encouragement there. Colossians 1.26 says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. He goes on to talk about what this mystery is. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Back before you knew Christ, you had no hope. Now that you have Christ within you, you have hope. You have the hope of eternity spent with him. Going on to Colossians chapter 3 now, verses 2 and 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That's something we could all uh, keep uh, reminding each other of, reminding ourselves of. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, there are important things that we can do in this life now. But the important things are coming in the future. That face-to-face -face connection with God. Set your mind on these things. Not forgetting about what's going on around you. Not forgetting about the good things that you can do. But realizing that you were only here for a time. Realizing that the good works and the, and the, and the great words, the, the good reports that you give, they are for a purpose so that others can learn about this future that they can have in Christ and want to give their lives to him. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We're all very different. We all have different backgrounds, different cultures, but we are all one in Christ. We are all the same in his eyes. We are simply sons and daughters of the king. 
Colossians 3.17, it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Every action that you make, every word that you speak, every thought that you think, we should be doing it all in the name of Jesus. And I believe this is speaking to us once again right now. You might be stuck and quarantined in your home, but we have social media, we have cell phones, we can text, we can call, we can make posts. What type of things are we sharing? What type of things are we focusing on? Are we doing it all in the name of Jesus? Think about that before your next text, before your next call, before your next post. Give thanks to God and glory to him because he can use you to bring hope and encouragement and joy and assurance to the lives of others. This last verse I want to look at here in Colossians is in chapter 4 and verse 2. It says simply, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And I love this concept. It's always tied in with prayer. We find prayer and thanksgiving. These two things come together. But he says to continue earnestly, pray without seeking, live a lifestyle of prayer. We can all use a little more prayer in these times of uncertainty. Pray like your life depends upon it. Pray for others like their lives depend upon it. And God will use those prayers and work miracles, the likes of which we never even thought possible. The final book, this final letter, epistle that Paul wrote while he was quarantined, while he was under house arrest, is a very small one, only one chapter, and it's called Philemon. Philemon, and I want to look at these concepts, these themes of love and faith. Love and faith. The first one is in verses 4 and 5. It says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, there he is praying again, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. We're being prayed for. We should be praying for other people. Do you see what's going on here? Paul is talking about Philemon and he's thanking God. He's hearing of his love and his faith and he's thanking God for that. Our showing of love, our sharing of our faith can cause other people to fall on their knees and pray and thank God. What a task we have in front of us. Verse 7 it says, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Once again, these things that you do and say, these texts, these phone calls, these social media posts, these dropping off gifts of, of groceries or food or essentials at somebody's doorpost, praying for them, all of these things can refresh the hearts of your fellow saints. You're not just doing these good things for you, but you're doing them for them as well. And finally, Philemon chapter one, the only chapter in the book and verse 16, it says, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, 
a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He's speaking to somebody who is a slave, and he's saying, you're not just a slave in my eyes, you are my brother. This is the type of barrier breaking that takes place within the confines of Christianity. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So in closing, I've got a question for you. How does God want to use you during this current crisis, during this current situation? I'm asking you, and I want you to ask God, God, how would you like to use me over the coming hours, maybe days, maybe weeks, maybe months. We don't know how long this is going to last, but we do know that God is going to be with us every step of the way and he wants to use us every step of the way. Are you gonna focus on your problems? Let depression and anxiety overcome you to the point where you are paralyzed? Are you only going to think of yourself? Maybe you get out and go grocery shopping and you're hoarding everything while others are being left out. Or are you gonna focus on positive things? Are you gonna share positive things? When you go out to go grocery shopping, are you going to think of others? When you think about your own needs, are you going to also realize that other people in your own church family have needs too? We need to reach out to God, reach upwards to him and reach outwards to each other. We need to stay connected as a family, believing and trusting that we are the body of Christ and he is the head. Follow his example. It doesn't matter if the world is just plugging along, no disruptions, or if there are disruptions to the point where now you are under house arrest, you are quarantined. None of that matters, good or bad. God wants to use us. Are we willing to let him do that very thing? Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer and act upon whatever God is placing on your hearts. Be blessed, my church family, and go in hope. We're gonna close our worship service this morning with prayer. I know we're doing things a little bit differently, a little bit out of order, but um, you know we're we're already going that route by worshiping in our homes. So we're we're gonna continue that way. Um, and uh, so I'm just gonna go ahead and, and get on my knees right here. Um, I don't know how awkward this is going to be. You're just staring at my face close up as I pray, but I, I urge you to close your eyes as, as I close my eyes as well. So let us come to our Father in heaven through prayer. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for being faithful in the good times and the bad. We thank you for the opportunity, though we are apart, that we can still be together through the power of the internet, through the power of social media and YouTube. I ask, Lord, as, as the next few days or weeks or months go by, that we learn how to depend more upon you and to stay connected 
as a church family, that we continue to reach out to one another through through calls, through through texts, and, and as we lift each other up in prayer, that we would be willing to go the extra mile. If we are praying for someone, let that person know that we are praying for them. Lord, there are a lot of question marks as it comes to the future. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of this virus, virus and in terms of, of, of our economy, in terms of, of work and jobs, but Lord, we trust in you that you have not turned your back on us. And so we just ask that we are able to take each day one day at a time, starting our morning with prayer, starting our morning with a a willingness to depend upon you. And I, I pray that we as a church would come close together, that we would huddle together, that we would bear one another burden bear one another's burdens, that none of us would feel like we are alone through this pandemic, that none of us feel like we can't reach out for help, we can't reach out for food, we can't reach out for essentials. Lord, may we learn to trust in you more as we learn to trust in each other as well. And may you pour out the peace that surpasses all understanding because you're the only one that can offer that to us. Lord, we thank you that we are alive. We thank you that we are able to be worshiping together even though we are apart. We are all watching this video together, praying together with our friends, with our families. We thank you for the blessings that you have given to us. Lord, may we stay positive during hard times. Lord, may we trust you and have faith even in the face of doubt. Lord, may we experience Jesus in a stronger way than we did yesterday, today. Lord, forgive us of our shortcomings. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we pray. In Jesus' name. Well, church family, I will see you on YouTube Wednesday night for the live prayer stream, and I will see you on Facebook Live. I don't have a schedule. It's just going to happen as as I feel the, the Spirit leading, but I look forward to seeing you guys there. I look forward to getting your, your phone calls and your text messages and, and your emails. Let's huddle together as we move forward in Christ and in love.